Good morning and welcome to our assembly, excuse me, which has one purpose, to worship God in spirit and in truth as taught in Scripture. I want to give you time to open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Peter was a Christian who served as an apostle and an elder. And therefore, he had a heart for people, for souls. It was his intention to teach people what was good and right before God. And that included warnings about the work of the devil. Like this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. When I was a boy, I was around carpentry and tools a lot because of my daddy's interest and my daddy's skill. He was an accountant by profession, but he was a weekend carpenter who did work around our place and built things and worked often for friends and neighbors and church members. And his shop was equipped with a full range of tools. Now, there was a whole brand of tools back in the 1950s. That whole brand of tools was called Red Devil. There was paint equipment and glass cutters and a whole line of tools for the carpenter available in the hardware store, and the brand name was Red Devil. Now, that reflects something. I believe it is commonly understood that the devil, the real devil, has tools. He is active. His purpose is to take us away from God into the depths of sin. He often pursues that purpose in very small steps, hoping that you will not even notice. But he has tools. The Apostle Peter wants us to be watchful and to take this threat seriously. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. During our time together this morning, I want us to be watchful and attentive and aware, alert, As we open up the devil's toolbox to see what he's using. Five choice tools of the devil to be aware of. One of his favorite tools is the unopened Bible. The unopened Bible. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4, Jesus said to men who questioned him about marriage, Have you not read? 
they were debating matters God had made very clear in the beginning. See, it was not that Scripture had said nothing, or was it the case that God had complicated His law of marriage? So as Jesus answered their question, as He spoke the truth about marriage and divorce and all the consequences, in Matthew 19, uh, 19, uh, 9, His lead-in statement was, Have you not read? What does that indicate? The obligation to read God's Word. If God, by His grace, has revealed Himself and His will to us, our response ought to be to read it. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, the Apostle Peter wanted Christians to understand we must be nourished by the pure milk of the Word. Without this nourishment, we starve spiritually and we die. It is this simple. Physical food sustains physical life. Spiritual food sustains spiritual life. Relationship with God cannot continue unless you open this book and learn what it says with the intention of doing what God has said. As we described in the Bible class, no matter what the circumstance is and how challenging and difficult it might be, Read the Word of God. One of the devil's tools is the unopened Bible. Jesus wants us to read God's Word. The devil wants us to have Bibles we never open, never read, never study, and never really believe and practice. (coughs) Is the devil using that tool to keep you away from full commitment to God? I read this observation one time. Americans revere the Bible, but by and large they don't read it. And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. That's sad, but there's evidence all around us and perhaps even among members of the church, that Bibles are owned and carried and may be talked about but not read. Certainly in the greater religious world, including denominations of every sort and the large community churches that are so popular, in many of those circumstances, Bibles are not read. And if they're read, they're not studied. And if they're read and studied, they are not put into practice. Here's a good inquiry. Do you know more and more about the Bible as time goes along? Or just about the same? Is your Bible knowledge increasing? And then is your faith growing stronger? And as your faith grows stronger, is there evidence in your mind and in your life every day? The only way there can be an increase in your Bible knowledge and a corresponding strengthening of your faith is to read God's 
word. And this church has a long history of encouraging members and visitors and everybody to read the Bible daily. Read it systematically. Read it in quiet moments when everything is turned off. Read it to gain knowledge that you intend to use. Resist the devil by opening, reading, and following the Bible. The devil has his tools. And another is the empty pew. Many times you've heard Hebrews 10.25 that Christians assembled and were warned not to forsake the assembling together of the saints. The devil wants to take the edge off of that and eventually just make it disappear from your mind and your commitment. The devil wants us to forsake, to find numerable excuses to stay home and eventually just quit. See, the devil will probably not jump into your mind immediately and say, don't go today and ever again. But incrementally, <clears throat> he will try to lead us in that direction. And when the devil succeeds in this, he has hurt the cause of Christ, removed you from the symbol worship, taken you from the Lord's Supper, and robbed you from the value and influence of other Christians. But it doesn't have to happen. You can resist the devil. And to make sure he doesn't ever use this tool again, just form the good habit that is this simple. I'm going to be there. In fact, you can say no to the devil later today when we assemble at 5 p.m. He wants to keep you away from pure worship and good people. It is part of his strategy and his purpose. When good things are happening that bring you in contact with good people and the good news and good preaching, the devil wants you to stay away, defy him, resist him, and be here. The entertaining church is another tool the devil uses quite a lot these days. Now, there are people who want to be somewhere on Sunday. There are people who want to, as we say, go to church because they covet the entertainment element, the social enjoyment the food and games that might be offered. And many churches are willing to cater directly to those desires. I want you to be opening to John chapter 4. The Gospel of John back in chapter 4. Anytime we think or speak of worship, we must be clear that worship is directed to God. Just embed that in your mind. That simple point. Worship is directed to God, not us. God has never said He wants to hear a band or a performance while we listen or be delighted with food and games while we consume. And God has never said that would be worship. 
He wants to see and hear us from our hearts praise Him and honor His Son in the manner He has prescribed. The hour is coming, Jesus said, and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Someone asked me in an email not too long ago, not anybody here, but somebody in another place sent me an email and they said, what does that mean? Worship in spirit and in truth. And many of you already know what I said. I said, just keep reading. Read everything after this passage on through to the end of the New Testament. And God describes what constitutes the worship that He wants. See what Christians did as you read the book of Acts. And as you go through the epistles, as they worshiped together under the direction of the apostles, make a list of what they did. It's very clear and simple, and it does not include bands and performances and fun and games to entertain people. The devil wants to turn the attention from worshiping God to being entertained. It's one of his tools. Worship is not just a pleasant distraction for humans. Though it is pleasant when done correctly. It is honoring God. It is praising Him. And praising Him in the way He has described in His Word. Incorporating into what we do in our worship what He said. The devil wants it to be all about humans being entertained and having their way rather than God being worshipped. As God has said, he wants to be worshipped. It should grieve us when we see and hear about assemblies that should be worshipped but are characterized by props and performances and pep rally atmospheres catering to the shallow and temporal interest of man. Be turning to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Another tool in the devil's toolbox is the fashion of the day. The fashion of the day. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When I talk about fashion, or when I say the fashion of the day, I'm including dress, but much more. Please think of this in more comprehensive terms. Please think about what is popular. 
The expression you hear today is trending. The devil wants to pressure us through what is popular and trending and worldly, and he wants that to be more important to us than the ways of the Lord. I'm going to call that the fashion of the day. How we dress, how we talk, how we entertain ourselves, the content of our humor, our association. The devil wants all of that to be driven by what we see and hear in the world around us. The devil wants to use what we see and hear around us that is fashionable and trending to take us away from God. Questions arise in your life every day. <clears throat> How do you decide what to wear? How do you choose your form of entertainment or recreation? What do you watch? What do you listen to? What do you share? What do you talk about? Paul wants to help us with all of that. With this warning, do not conform to the world, but conform to the will of God. May I take you please to 1 John 2. 1 John chapter 2. And in 1 John chapter 2, I want to read for us verses 15 through 17. Listen carefully in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 as it pertains to the point at hand. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. <clears throat> A love affair with the world will always end with a broken life of regret. Always. The world cannot provide the fullness of blessing, the integrity and hope and assurance the gospel offers. Just one more. James 4 and verse 4, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I saw this the other day. It's a very simple rule. It is not original with me. I reworded it just a little, but here it is. Refuse to entertain yourself with anything the devil likes. Refuse to entertain yourself with anything the devil likes. I'm going to take us to the book of James, chapter 1. Another tool in his toolbox is appetites that compel us. Appetites that compel us. James 1, starting at verse 12. 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth Death. Now, you heard the phrase I gave emphasis to. Lured and enticed by his own desire. That's appetite. That's appetite. Now, let me introduce a good question that will help equip us to resist the devil. The question must be made personal, and here it is. What is it that attracts me? What is it that I find enticing? Now, to use that question for your personal defense against the devil requires the greatest level of self-honesty. Self-honesty. And I believe that's reflected in James' statement. If you look at verse 16, do not be deceived. Self-deception can keep us from honest and complete self-examination. So, what I'm talking about now requires the greatest level of self-honesty, and the question is, what is it that attracts me? What do I find enticing? What is it that the devil might be slipping into my mind that would take me away from God? Now, that's going to vary from person to person. Some may find impulsive revenge attractive and enticing. For others, it may be sexual temptation. For some, it may be alcohol and drugs. It may be covetousness. It may be indifference to the worth and needs of people. What tempts you? Here's why this is so important. You can be sure that whatever <clears throat> is enticing to you, the devil is going to find out and will use it against you. The devil wants desire to conceive and give birth to sin. And remember in 1 Peter 5, he is prowling around seeking. So whatever is enticing you, Whatever your particular personal weakness or temptation is, the devil's going to find that and use it against you. His toolbox includes his awareness of what your weakness is, and he wants to use that against you. James says, God isn't tempting you to sin. The process always involves what is in you. In terms of appetite and attraction, we are still in the book of James. I'm going to turn to chapter 4, and we're going to read 7 through 10 in chapter 4 of James. 
Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So one, <clears throat> if I will honestly admit my weakness, what, what entices me, and then submit myself to God and purify my heart, I can resist the devil and his tools. And I need to do that because the devil has tools, weapons, methods, approaches, devices. But it's through our consistent submission to God that we can resist everything the devil has to use against us. I want to take you to one more place, please. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to take you to verse 13. I have a sermon planned in my planning schedule in the month of June where I'll cover this chapter. But I just want one part of it now. In verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape <clears throat> that you may be able to endure it. This tells us, <clears throat> this tells us never to think temptation will overpower us against our will. Never think that the devil has some tool or weapon that will take you to hell when your desire is to go to heaven. He has no such device. God has limited him. And that's what this verse is telling us. So, if you are not a Christian... You can respond to the gospel of Christ. And in that response, not only repenting and being baptized, but in your nourished use of the word of God every day, you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you have been baptized, but you have fallen back into sin, and you want to acknowledge your return to God, this is the time while we stand together to sing. No longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have the words of God. I will hasten, hasten to thee. Hasten so glad and free, hasten glad and free, Jesus, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. 
the true one. He is the just one. He hath the words of life. I will hasten, hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free, hasten glad and free, Jesus, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. What he saith, do what he willeth, he is the living way. I will hasten, hasten to him, hasten so glad and free, hasten glad and free, Jesus, Jesus, greatest I yes. I will come to thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still will I enter in. I will hate Son, hasten to him, hasten so glad and free, hasten glad and free, Jesus, Jesus, greatest, highest, <coughs> come to It is refreshing to be with you, to worship God in spirit and in truth, and to have visitors with us. We're glad to have you here. We would like to meet you, and if you have not filled out a visitor's card, that would facilitate our further contact with you, and we would invite you to visit our website, lhmacallan.org. In our prayers, we are continuing to lift up Carla Witt, who is still undergoing difficulty after her surgery, but is here today. And remember the constable who has worked here before, Robert Lugo, who suffered a stroke and is continuing to be involved in his rehabilitation. The elders have been discussing something we want to put before you for your consideration. And we would like for you to give us your input on this idea. We are considering moving the Wednesday evening service from 7.30 to 7 o'clock, 30 minutes earlier. We're not going to do that immediately. We may be doing that in the fall when the children return to school. But should you have any input for us on that subject, we'd be glad to listen to you. That is Wednesday night, moving the service from 7.30 to 7 o'clock. We invite you back tonight at 5 o'clock. I'll be talking about Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verses 13 through 18. Will you be standing for prayer please? Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for opportunities we have on the first day of the week 
to worship Thee in spirit and in truth, to remember Jesus who died for us, and to renew our devotion to Him and to be nourished by Thy Word. May we take advantage of all such opportunities. May we be mindful, Heavenly Father, in our personal prayers of Carla Witt and Robert Lugo and others who may be suffering a variety of difficulties in life. We are thankful for Jesus who died for us and so thankful we have perfect revelation of thy word to guide us in life and lead us to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.